Cox ATA is the leader in ATA martial arts with two convenient locations, one in Conroe, one in Magnolia. They offer courses for young adults, children, and senior citizens, and everything in between for people who are interested in self-defense, taekwondo, or various other courses. Be sure to check out the Facebook page if you're interested in Cox ATA Taekwondo. The Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and More is open on 1488 at 525 Woodland Square Boulevard. With comics, games, and everything nerd-related, The Adventure Begins is the one-stop nerd shop. On Saturdays, they alternate between having Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon. And coming up, they also have cosplay crafting and trivia nights and BYOB nights. They're currently offering a 10% discount for limited time, which will be valid for as long as you grab your books every month. Hi, this is Kevin Smith, former Dallas Cowboy, Texas A&M Aggie as well. And I want to say what's up to Nerd Thug Radio. What's up, Conroe? Welcome to a brand new edition of Nerd Thug Sports. We're hanging out here on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, the sister stations. And we're streaming worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. A uh, lot's happening today, and we're just hanging out here. This is Corey DLG, and with me as usual is little brother Nico. Hello, hello. And, um, yeah, man, the sports world is like a booming right now. When is it not, I feel like? Um, that's like, fair, but there's like ebbs and flows. Yeah, and I mean, like, sometimes there's like a ton of news, and then other times it's like... Scores. <laughs> <laughs> scores and highlights. Baseball happened. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably, like, the most unpredictable part of all of the sports stuff is, like... Where's the drama? I need right. I need the I need the sauce. When there's something, man, that's why I like doing a weekly show, though, right? Because then I can kind of pick and choose the big. Over a week, big stories will happen. But yeah, like, when it, on if the you're doing day the to day, day, sometimes you'd be like, oh, we turn into a call-in show, and someone's like, LeBron or Kobe, who's better? And then you do like an hour of that, and I don't, I never want to be that guy. I never want to be the guy. I just want to hold. I just want to hold only sports debates. Yeah, but only like the only options are both really bad. (laughs) 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 Would you rather be Michael uh, Michael Jordan's caddy or Tiger Woods' next wife? Like those aren't good. Like neither one of those are solid choices. And then you're like, oh dang, I have to really like. Yeah. Yes, I think that would be that would be the way to do it. Is just terrible decisions, but like, that's how you fill in the dead space of of sports. Well, but instead, what they do is they do the the dumb call and rank thing. How many games do you think the Texans can win this year? And it's like the answer is always at least five, <laughs> more than five, <laughs> less than seventeen because they only play sixteen <laughs> games. Um, I'm a co eleven, although yeah. that's pushing it. Uh, this year, um, uh, maybe I think there's. Four weeks left in the season, and we uh, we got eight wins. We're not we're not too far away from it. This should be week thirteen in the NFL. Oh, oh yeah, playoffs oh, are happening oh, in fantasy. Oh, right? Not even close. Holy smokes! You're like way off. It's week fifteen. Oh, we got like yeah. one more week. We got three weeks left. That's what it is. We got three games left. Okay. Uh, okay. And this ga- and these games haven't happened yet. So 15, 16, 17. We got three games left, and we are eight and five. Ooh, I don't. So we can finish at best eleven and five. Yeah, yeah, at best eleven and five. Um, if so I wasn't that far off. No, and we're d- okay. So this is what we got left. We got two games against Tennessee, 
And what? They're both in the three-game span? Yeah. That's so dumb. They always do that. So they do that on purpose. They schedule you one of your division opponents heavy at the end. And the idea is, like, manufacture drama. So, like, you two haven't played each other all year, so if you guys are close at the end of the year, like right now the Texans and the Titans, I, the Titans, I believe, are 8-5 and five as well. Yeah, okay. So it's like this is the pull away week, right? So this week and it's this week and the last week of the season. So this is drama for this division because ideally, like, okay, if we win and they lose, and then they tie us, what happens in the middle week matters, right? If we win and then in the last game we win, also, then it doesn't matter what happens in the middle game. Our middle game though is against Tampa Bay. Who's been absolute dog poop? So, hopefully, that part's the good feeling. Like, if we drop one of these to Tennessee, we can pick it up in Tampa. And yeah, hopefully, yeah, strut out a victory unless we lose in both games to Tennessee. Their middle game is against the Saints. Ooh, that's not a good middle game. <laughs> so they've got us this week, the Saints next week, and then us, us again. again. Okay, that's fair. So, like, if we go one and one with them, we should go to the playoffs. We should be the winner of the division. If we go one and one with them. Hey, look guys, we got We should be two and one in the last We got another weeks. division win. You count those? Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. we count those. We count those. Um it's funny cuz what you're he's telling the story from uh I bumped that's, into some guys from New England. That's the best story. They're uh they were Patriots fans when the Patriots were here a few years back and they noticed that we were hanging division winning division championship banners. And he said, what What are those? And it's like, those were when we won the division. And he was like, you guys hang those up here? And you got to remember, they, they, win, they win the conference and they win the Super Bowl most years. <laughs> so they're like, we don't even hang those. We're, it's, it's pretty much a given that we win those. Yeah, of course we won the division. Who celebrates beating the Jets twice? Like This is fair. Um, I, I feel like at least the South is a little bit more like, ooh, who's going to win? Like, there's no, like, definitive, like, obviously you're going to choose that. The South is hyper-competitive, and no one is great. Right. And that's the issue. Is even when Peyton Manning was was the best quarterback in the NFL at the time, he wasn't so – the the Colts weren't so great that it was, like – They were, like, unstoppable. And they were right, because like, would, they would have, like, nine wins, ten wins, and we would have seven or eight. So even towards the end of the season, you're still like, okay, well, we're only one or two behind them. But I mean, that matters when you're choosing a champion. But yeah, it, yeah. But throughout the season, it was still at least like New yeah, England. No, no one, no one like pulled away. Like New England's what they've lost like, one game. Well, the, their problem now is Buffalo's only. I think Buffalo only has three losses for the whole year. So what? Yeah, Buffalo has been sneaky good. Now the Jets have been terrible. and The Dolphins have been terrible. I mean, those are the ones that they care about because they somehow always lose to the Dolphins somehow. They do always drop one of the Dolphins for no reason. Um, I, think, I think that's the funniest loss. Especially when it's like ridiculous, like miracle play, and it's like, okay, yeah, sure, that go was for a, it. The last time that miracle play happened, that was a weird one because they had the Patriots put Gronkowski on the field, and that actually might have been what cost them the touchdown because he doesn't tackle, so he doesn't know necessarily good form. So when the receiver's running at him and he's like in the end zone, he kind of keeps backing up further into the end zone instead of like grabbing ground and, and attacking, and and it's just it's well that's that's because he's not on defense, right? He doesn't know to do that. Uh, talking about the Patriots, we'll go ahead and get it. We'll start with this. This is the big story 
in the NFL this week. Well, one of them is the Patriots. They're calling it Spygate Two in the media. The Patriots. I don't know what Spygate One is, so you don't know Spygate One. Oh my gosh, Nico. So the Rams were the greatest show on turf, and mm-hmm. New England was the underdog coming into the Super Bowl in two thousand one. All right. The Patriots won by a field goal. Good and for them. a big part of it was they shut down the Rams' offense the first quarter. The Rams, I think, only had like nine yards of offense coming out of the first quarter or something Ooh, like that. Like, it like was real bad. It was. It turned out the Patriots had filmed the walkthrough of the Rams the day before the Super Bowl. So, Ooh, that's a no-no. So they knew... Most of the plays coming into the start of the game. Ooh, that that feels a little bit cheaty. So it's called Spygate. Um, it came out years later. It was a video rep who like he kept the tapes, and when they fired him for something, he was like, "Hey, I got you now." Super salty. Bam. Super salty. Super shady. Yeah. And well, so I mean, they're the ones that did it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Um. I'm, yes. Uh. They they were suspended the first round draft pick. Bill Belichick was fined half a million dollars, which is the maximum a coach can be fined for anything. And I think the Patriots were fined a couple million dollars. Um. What's funny is the year that they were that they were punished, the draft pick they took away was the Patriots. The Patriots also had a top five draft pick that year because they had traded for someone the year before. So they had two irrelevant. First, they had two first round picks, and they were just like, keep it. It's cool. Sure. Sure. <coughs> it just so happened to work out this and way. And they didn't even take the better of the two. They they took the one that was the Patriots. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, it, what was said at the time or how it was explained was Bill Bell, there was a memo the league had, had, had distributed that outlined what you can and can't film. Mm-hmm. And I According to what the Patriots say is in there is some ambiguous wording and they thought they were within the rules of where they were set up to film and they thought they, everything they did was appropriate and it just so happened that the Rams did a walkthrough on the field. So they were like, it's not our fault that we filmed it. Um, we just so happened to be filming the field for whatever we, reason. They were within They were within the rules of what they were allowed to do. It just so happened that the Rams, for whatever reason held their walkthrough in front of them is what the Patriots tried to say at the time. Um, and it was a misinterpretation of the rule, but they took their licks and they they said, whatever. They, they've moved on. Uh, I don't think it's... I don't, The Rams haven't moved on. Well, no. Well, that's, I mean, they came all the way back around to meet the Patriots in the Super Bowl again and then still lost, so... Well, that one doesn't seem fair. The first time was a heck. <laughs> Second time? That one they lost. <laughs> I mean... That's the problem with the Patriots is if you want to say, okay, well, they cheated. Okay, well, what about now? And what about the other time? And what about this time? And what about that last time? That time they cheated. The other times, I think they won. So what's happening at Spygate 2? Spygate 2 is really one of the dumbest controversies. I don't. I, I actually think it's no big deal. I think the first Spygate won a I think I think that's a big deal. I think it was, I think it was a big deal, but it didn't come out until much later. And there's nothing you can do about that at that yeah, point. Yeah, if it came out like a year later, people would have been livid. But right, like, if it's like years later, it was a year like 2009. It came out. Yeah, it's eight years ago. There's no way you're getting that you back. There's nothing to do with that. Although, point. if I was a diehard Rams fan, I would have been so. I would have been like, I knew it. <laughs> so, yeah, I know, right? 
the uh, biggest conspiracy theory. And then it was like, there's no way they would have known. And like nine years later, it comes out, and you're like, I knew it. But the but the other problem with it is like it wasn't as though they were somehow this like hyper original. Like it was run Marshall Falk or throw it down the field. Like they weren't. I mean, it doesn't have to be complicated, but when right. you but like if you know it, it, it does. If it's simple, it doesn't matter. But if you know everything, you're still like way ahead. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. So this time they're doing a video series, a video documentary called "Do Your Job." One of the big tenets of like Patriot Way is do your job. Is do your job. That makes sense. So occasionally, when it's a like, very utilitarian, it is, and so like occasionally, if things aren't going well in a season. That's what the players will say in the media. We just need to. We just need to do our job right now. <laughs> no, for the Patriots. That's what I'm saying. No, two losses. I mean, they're still doing okay. Is Brady coming back? Is a real question. No, I, no, I don't think he is. And I, and the reason he's not coming back is because everyone's not doing their job. He feels like I bet. I don't I'm know the this only personally. one doing this. He feels like Bill Belichick and talent evaluation and talent acquisition are not doing their jobs. I and Josh McDaniels isn't doing his job. I got to think that he's blaming those four elements for who's around him right now. That's fair. Um but they were filming a documentary about like it was a film crew filming the advanced scout for the for the Patriots. Mm-hmm. The advanced scout for the Patriots went to the Bengals game cuz they're playing the Bengals I think this week. <coughs> so he had a film crew with him there, or no? He's they're playing the Browns coming up, and he was and he notified the Browns that I'm I'm I am the scout. I will be there. I work for the Patriots. There will be a film crew with me, filming a documentary about what an advanced scout does in the New England system. And the Browns were probably like, yeah, well, we want to see that when it comes out. Like, <laughs> what do you guys? I would, I would also like to know. Yeah, I want to know what you guys do. Like, show me. So uh, the Browns were cool with it. The Browns signed off on it, um, and it was at the Browns Stadium. What happened is the Patriots forgot to notify their opponent, the Bengals, and apparently they didn't tell the NFL. But two NFL teams already knew. But the NFL didn't. Perhaps. The NFL's saying they didn't know. I don't know how I feel. I didn't I didn't get it. I don't know. I didn't get the memo. I I just ignored it. I didn't see that email. I saw a thing that said memo Patriots and was like, okay, it's probably them just being like, Yeah, we probably got the season chief. Hey yo, we won the Super Bowl, y'all. Um I don't know. The Bengals filed a grievance. Wait, how are so they had a documentary set up. So they were filming at the Brown Stadium. Yes. The Browns were okay with it. Yes. How are the Bengals involved if it's at the Browns Stadium? Because the Bengals were the other team. And ah. they say their the cameras were at times pointed at their sidelines. So they think the Patriots are spying on them. Right. The problem, they need all the support in the world. The problem I have with that is the that Bengals. the Bengals are... Aren't they like the worst team right now? They have one win. They have one win. They have held off the winless season with one win. So the they're one in what fourteen, right? No, one, one in, in 13? thirteen right now. Yeah, yeah. One in twelve, I think. No, because they got three games left. Yeah, there's three games left. So they've got to be no one in twelve because that twelve one in twelve is thirteen games. They play sixteen games in a season. Ah, okay. Yeah, so one in twelve, and they are accusing the Patriots of filming their sideline. I'm okay. Sure. 
No. This is why I don't think it's that much of a story. Why? Because you of the two teams involved. You can't call that Spygate 2 if Spygate 1 was filming filming the entire team in a walkthrough before the Super Bowl and filming your 1 and 12 team maybe on the sidelines while of a definite- game they're losing to the Browns. <laughs> like that's not that is a that is a that is not the same thing. You can't call that Spygate. Spygate too, man. This, <sighs> this is the problem with sequels: is they're not always as good as the original. Yeah, but like it's that's not even the same thing. This remake's way worse. <laughs> this isn't even a remake. This is just sad. The reboot. This is a franchise restarter, and it's just not as good. So as you don't you don't wouldn't you wouldn't call it the second one? You'd call it like I don't this know. This is like um, Spygate: The Reckoning or something. This <laughs> is when, after four Scream movies, the MTV made a like, show called Scream. Right. This is that kind of level yeah. of reinvention. It's this is the this is the reality show as <laughs> like like a fantastic, crazy basically is, so like Spygate One is like a heist movie and then like Spygate, Spygate Two is like a reality show. Like a mocudrama. Uh, right. A mocudrama about like a bunch of people being sad and angry that they lost everything. Right. Yeah, so I honestly think the headlines and the attention it's way out of proportion. And I think I think the NFL loves it because I think the NFL likes when the Patriots are in trouble with people, but they're not even really in trouble. Whoa. They may have cheated, okay? They cheat they definitely cheated like 10 of almost 20 years ago. They may have cheated. Also, they, all, 2001 was almost 20 years ago. Yeah, it's not even it's 19 years now. It'll be 2020 in in 2 weeks. Right. Yeah, cuz it takes place in January anyway, so it'll yeah. be 19 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, just casually. Yeah, and people are making and people are acting like this is Spygate 2. Right. 20 years later, they they filmed the sideline accidentally when filming a documentary in a game that they may not even really care about. <laughs> they may not even watch the film. Like Right. They don't need the fi- they don't need the documentary crew cuz they might not even watch game film from this matchup. Like also it's almost like I feel like there's going to be way more people that are going to watch this documentary film that are no way involved directly with like the actual football crew. Like I doubt any of these coaches are going to watch this documentary until like it's like finished yeah, and like yeah. things are pulled together. Well, so that's the other part of this that's important is Bill Belichick is like this is a production thing for the franchise and I don't have anything to do with production. Right. This he's got he's got better things to do. He's doing his job. Exactly, They're doing it. Exactly. This is a separation like church and state scenario where he's he's saying we have nothing to do with the production of this. Like Right. There's no reason for him to. Right. This is literally called do your job and they're he's doing his <laughs> job and he's doing his. But it's but it's Spygate 2, bro. It's not Spygate 2. It's Spygate 2. Spygate would be like them filming another team before the Super Bowl, like this yeah. If if if, this if some the, if somehow if this the, were the Chiefs at home in their own per, fa- practice yeah. facility, and they called a Patriots guy there filming, that's, that's an issue. That's a Spygate too. If it's it, it, you know if the Bengals were fourteen and one instead of you know like twelve and one. So are you saying because the the, the Bengals are so bad well even if they were average it still wouldn't be that big. If they were like five and five yeah you like even if they're even if they were like a six and six team it wouldn't matter because they're not gonna play each other in the super bowl okay all right okay that's fair because even even if you were to be like okay so because they filmed them they 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 win that or 
say say they lose the game anyways, even with the filming and all that, they still lose. Okay, they're seven and they're seven six to the Patriots, twelve and three. Like, like you okay? So you're saying the Patriots are so much better than the Bengals that even losing to them once wouldn't change? Yeah, the fate of the season. Right, it's almost set in stone at this point. But what if like? What if they're just so addicted to cheating? Right, like this s- is, they need to cheat so bad that they're just they're just gonna bully some. They're kid. just gonna start cheating to cheat. That doesn't even make any sense. Like they need to cheat so bad that they're like, we haven't cheated in weeks. We We've, haven't cheated in years. It's been like twenty years. And like they're looking at the schedule, and like, but all we play are garbage teams for the <laughs> so next we're four just, weeks. So we're gonna fill them. Who, who do we even? Who should we even cheat against? And someone's like, I don't know, the Bengals? I don't know. And they're like, genius. Do it. No one will suspect a thing. And, like, really, if you wanted to cheat against the Bengals, you could just pay their players to, keep, like, pretend they're hurt. Right. Like hey, you, fall over real hard. Yeah, just... Like, don't actually hurt yourself, but make it look real bad. Yeah, and just promise them that you'll, like, sign them next year when they get cut. Like, listen, right. yeah. when the Bengals release you next year and they will cuz they're a terrible franchise. We'll sign you if if you just if you just take a dive here. And they'll, they'll probably agree with you. They'd probably be like, "Yeah, no problem, dude." Like that's the kind of cheating I want to see the Patriots start doing, especially just, against teams like this. Just straight bribery. Like, yeah, just forget like, filming and no. secret cameras and all this. I want to see him go next level. I want right. to find out that they like I want them to pay the coach to throw yes. the game. <laughs> I want to find out that they're like that they are using that they're using like prostitutes and cocaine to like sway the outcome of the other team like like they are bribing people in other cities to give them information on players and stuff. They buy a doctor and they start a fake clinic right next to the practice facility. Oh yeah. Like I wanted th- I want them to go like next 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 level with this. Like you know in uh in all the Oceans movies where they're like, "Oh, we'll lift the house 3 feet to to slide in and do the thing and steal the stuff." That's what I'm talking about. Right. I want to see some real effort. Like some I, I, genuine energy. It's the best one. They're just so absolutely ridiculous. Like, These oceans movies are great. <laughs> they literally used air pumps to to rise a house high enough so they could shoot a crossbow into the room on a bolt, on a rope, so they could slide a little computer down onto the keypad so it can manually type in the new rolling encryption code so they could turn off the security so they could get in the house so that they could steal something. Genius level intellect. Like that's the level I want to see. That's what the, that's what I want to see the Patriots do. Right. Like I want to see them go super next level with it. Where like spies, we find out like an assistant coach for the Chiefs has been a Patriot all the whole time. <laughs> just just have another player sit on their sideline the entire time, and then when it's time to dress, he just takes the jersey off and he walks to the other over. side. Yeah. Hey guys, they're gonna punt here. Yeah, it's fourth down. We knew that. Thanks. That's the thing about football that I don't think anyone understands is the predictable nature of it. Like, the reason the Patriots are as successful as they are is they have they are on the cutting edge of weighing your tendencies mm-hmm. and then also countering their own tendencies and also your... There's a football term for it, but essentially what you're used to seeing. Right. So if staying you, slightly unpredictable so that you're oh my gosh. I almost killed myself. Yeah, so here's the idea. So like let's say um let's say you're the Texans 
and you play Peyton Manning and you play Jacksonville and you play Tennessee. Peyton Manning for the Colts, he throws all over the field. Throws, 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 but it's all off of the run. Play action, play action, play action, play action. Tennessee has at the time uh, Chris Johnson who literally runs for 2,000 yards in one season. And their quarterback was Vince Young who runs. So run, 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 run. Also, you play Jacksonville, who runs the saddest, most boring pro offense on the planet, and they hand it off 30 times a game. Run, 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 run. So if you're the Patriots, when you play the Texans, you hand it off like three times the entire game. Right. You Even if you're getting your running backs involved, it's off of motions and pitches and tosses and sweeps, and nothing is traditional run. So the thing that you practice all the time is useless against the Patriots. They take the thing that you are best at. So defensively, you scheme all day against the run. That's fine. We're not going to run. So it doesn't matter. So you've wasted. You've lost all of your prep for the whole season on this one game because when you play us, we're not doing that. We're not going to do that thing that you see all the time. You're never going to see it when you play us. We're never going to do that thing you want us to do. So that's what they do. They look at what you most prepare for or like if you spend two weeks against passing offenses like let's say you play the Chiefs and the Saints in back-to-back weeks and then the Patriots the third week they are not going to throw deep or go fast at all in the first half of the game yeah there's no reason for them to because you've been practicing for that for two weeks so they're going to make you break every one of those tendencies and habits right off the bat so you lose all the prep that you had set up that's why they win games that's that is 80% of what they do is the mental aspect of everything you did to get ready is useless. The cheating, the filming, the the deflated football, none of it's relevant. None of it. None of it's relevant because what they actually do is they just break your tendencies. And because they do that, they win. It's not even even that complicated. Forget about, oh, someone's great and someone's clutch. and oh, They haven't had anyone good all year on their offense. There's no one good on that offense except for Tom Brady. There's not good running backs. There's not good receivers. There's not good tight ends. They still managed to win nine games, ten games, whatever it is. Right. They're still great. Right. And everyone's, oh, it's because of the defense, because of the defense. And it is a lot of it's because of the defense. The defense is playing good and the special teams are playing well. But it's also because every time you play them, everything you've been doing all, all month, all year, most of it's worthless. You've got to do all new stuff for this one game. For whatever reason, because they're they're thinking big brain ahead of you. Well, that's I mean, because it's, the it's, hardest thing to do in football it's using it's using habit against players. Exactly, the hardest thing to do in football is to reset fresh, as in everything I've been doing all year, I'm not going to do today. Well, that's not how any of this works. That's not how any of it works for an athlete. It's so much muscle memory, and then beyond that, they also just they. They're going to show you big wide sets. Okay, you played the Chiefs last week. Great, we're going to go five wide, and then we're going to call. We're going to call. On, we're going to call. We're going to make a call at the line, and everyone's going to shift over into a run formation. And you're going to be out there with a bunch of cornerbacks who want to who want to run down the field and cover the deep pass. And now they're looking around, going, "Wait, I don't. Who do I? If they run it, where do I go?" Right. And, and then they go and they run it and then and, you, and then they're first down and then right. they touch, then they scored and then you're behind and then you lose. <laughs> and you, and they don't give you a chance to swap. They're going to run that set the next five plays in a row so you can't substitute. 
And so while you're uh, while you guys are on the field yelling at each other, trying to oh hey when they move over when the when the wide receiver shifts inside, now the inside corner has leverage and coverage, and you've got to cover the outside man. Well, wait a minute, I never cover the outside man on these plays. I'm supposed to be I'm supposed to be watching the middle the middle zone here. No 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 no, you got to roll outside now because there's no one on the outside because the outside guy went in. You got to go in with him. Wait, I go in with him or he goes in with him? Oh no, he goes in with him. You need to go out. That's and they've, ar- they've already Forget snapped it. the ball. They hiked the ball. There's a guy behind you. There's a touchdown. They don't have enough hand signs to, to explain what you're supposed to be doing when they when they break tendency like that. And so you'll see it time after time after time after time after time. You'll see the defenders literally pointing at somebody, and three of them are making two different gestures at each other. They don't know what calls to make. And the bad teams can't prepare in a week a whole new defense. And that's what happens. You play the Jets twice a year, and they have no idea what you're going to do. <laughs> None. I they, feel like they don't have anything. They don't have an idea. Of what they don't know what the other teams are going to do either, but they at least practice that stuff. When they get out there against the Patriots, they go, we don't know. Run, pat, I don't know. I have no idea. This, could be, this could be anything. I'm going to look like I'm busy, although I'm definitely not. Oh, and you'll see a lot of corners and a lot of safeties against the Patriots do that, where they, they make these weird thigh, like thigh dives. And where they don't hit anybody, but they go right by the guy. Like, oh, man, I, I almost had him. I was going to chop him right there, but I missed him by about a foot. <laughs> and I, I dove right at him. Yeah, I was getting In his direction, I was there. But he, he didn't keep running at me, so he got away. And like, <laughs> that's and it's, it's A, they don't want to be the guy on film getting beat. And B, they don't know what they're supposed to do. They have no idea. They're trying, bless their heart. That's there, and you'll see it on the bad teams. You'll see it on their sideline, about early second quarter, where they're literally all looking at iPads and they're pointing, and someone is yelling at somebody else, and the defensive coach is trying to tell them to do something, and no one's even looking up at them because they're all looking at the iPads, going, "I don't know, like he shifted, so I don't know, like do I go inside guy? Where do I? Who do I?" I don't what do even. I, do? I don't even know. Look, when he rolls in, who's got inside guy now? Who does that? Because they never talk. Because no one, no one's even no. had this discussion yet. No, they haven't because they've been running dime package against deep pass plays, and they're like, "Don't get beat deep. Give up nine yards underneath. Keep it in front of the first down markers, but don't get beat deep." Well, all of a sudden, all the wide receivers just ran behind the line of scrimmage. They all rolled over to the left side. Now there's one guy on the right side, but he's lined up like a tight end. They have no idea who to cover. They have no idea what's going on in the deep space. They don't know who's supposed to watch the back end of that. There's three guys on one side with where one guy is lined up. There's two guys looking at four people who are lined up that to either receive or run or who knows. And they're like, when they hike this ball, I am falling on the ground. <laughs> That's the only decision they've made. Of when they hike this ball, I am falling down. And you'll you'll see. If you if if you if you're ever watching enough football where you catch like uh, your team has been playing like big offenses all week, and then they play the Patriots, you'll see them do it where they'll they'll line up all wide, they'll put the running back all the way at the edge of the sidelines, and then they'll like Brady will like tap his back foot and everyone will run back behind him and set up like in a pistol formation, and then all of a sudden. You just see the whole defense go, well, now I don't know. <laughs> now I don't know. Now I'm confused. When the running back was out there, I didn't know what to do. And now that he's back where he's supposed to be, I still don't know what I'm supposed to do. I lined up looking at him like I was going to cover him. And yeah. then we didn't do that. Right. And then and it's you could just see it. And what's important is like for the corners, a lot of them cover outside ends. So like if you're the most outside corner, you cover the most outside guy. Well, when people do these things where they shift 
the running backs lined up in the slot. So he's the second guy on the outside. So the middle, the middle corner is supposed to be over him. Okay, if this is a pass play and we're in man, then I've got him. Well, then when they bring him behind the line as, as though it's lined up now for a run, technically the middle corner should just sh- shift in to the next available receiver. But if they're lined up in man, the linebacker may not pick up the running back because he wasn't lined up for the running back initially. So the linebacker in the corner have to talk and decide who's going to chase this running back if he leaves the backfield without the ball. And that is where they get lost. And that is where it all breaks down. Well, yeah, because while they're trying to figure out who it is, they've now hiked the ball. Right. And like, they've already, they've already yeah. started. They're not going to sit around and wait for you to decide that. Once I go into motion and bring him in, as soon as he comes in motion and stops moving for that second, I'm going to hike it. And right. that's And that's what happens is while you two are going, oh, no, he's moving in. I think he's going to. Oh, play. The play happened. Seven yards on a run play. And no one even there were no one even blocked it. Not cool. Even, no one even tried. It looked cool. like cool. Someone tried. <coughs> yeah, someone tried. Tom Brady did. But so the the Patriots don't need to. They don't need to cheat. They don't need to because they just do the opposite of what you're used to seeing all week. And they're just gonna beat you up and you're gonna lose. Well, and the bad teams don't know how to prepare for it, and the good teams at least know the Patriots do it. There was I know we're way over. There was a there was a matchup one time between the Ravens and. The, this is actually uh, the Colts. It's actually a Peyton Manning, Ray Lewis story, but it's the same idea. Ray Lewis at one point was so into with his defense that he they were calling all these audibles on the fly, and what Ray says goes. So the prep for the game, and Peyton Manning changes it. Peyton Manning gets five plays or three plays, whatever it is. Calls them all in the huddle, and when he comes up, he can change the plays, and he can move the plays, and he's throwing his hand signs, and he's – so Ray Lewis, for specifically for the Colts against Peyton Manning, Ray Lewis would would get a bunch of audibles also. And so when they're lined up, Ray Lewis is watching tendencies for the Colts, and there's these crazy exchanges where Peyton Manning is changing a play, and Ray Lewis then changes the play, the defensive play. So then Peyton Manning changes the play again, and then as they're moving around, Ray Lewis then changes the play again. And, like, there, you could see them almost, like, play tennis with the play until, like, there's five seconds on the play clock. And then Peyton Manning's like, I don't know. Uh, uh, he'll take a timeout, or Ray Lewis takes a timeout, or they run it and just try and see what happens. But there were several games were later in both of their careers while Peyton Manning was still a Colt where they were literally audibling back and forth because they were both so in command of what they were doing. And that's what good teams can do. Bad teams don't have that ability. There's no communication between them. Right. And so the Patriots have had the ability to play the the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Jets twice a year, every year, and just embarrass them. Just embarrass them. Oh, God. All those teams are bad, but somehow they still lose one to Miami every time. Yeah. I think part of that's travel and other parts probably they just honestly don't care. Like, right. I got to like, think we as have like 50 other harder games than this guy. You got to think as they're prepping for the Miami game, at least three times in a meeting, someone goes, What if I just didn't go? Like, do I even need to block him on this play? Like, watch him. <laughs> and then they're like, we'll get back to that one. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Like, uh, just put a hand on him. And, like, if he if he, he starts. If he, if he tries real hard, then maybe. Yeah. D- d- just don't let him hit anybody. And, like. And then they're like, okay. Yeah. And that's exactly yeah. what happens. Right. Uh, we're going to jump out to a break. When we come back. We got more Nerd Thug Sports coming your way.
The Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More is open on 1488 at 525 Woodland Square Boulevard. With comics, games, and everything nerd-related, The Adventure Begins is the one-stop nerd shop. On Saturdays, they alternate between having Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon. And coming up, they also have cosplay crafting and trivia nights and BYOB nights. They're currently offering a 10% discount for limited time, which will be valid for as long as you grab your books every month. Cox ATA is the leader in ATA martial arts with two convenient locations, one in Conroe, one in Magnolia. They offer courses for young adults, children, and senior citizens, and everything in between for people who are interested in self-defense, taekwondo, or various other courses. Be sure to check out the Facebook page if you're interested in Cox ATA Taekwondo. This is Rudy Tomjanovich, and welcome to Nerd Thug Radio. Welcome back to Nerd Thug Sports. This is Corey DLG, and with me as usual is little brother Nico. Hey, it's probably me. It's a nice Thursday afternoon here, and we're hanging out on 104.5, 106.1, the sister stations, and we're streaming worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. We're hanging out here, um, as we do every Thursday, Friday, and Monday, doing the Nerd Thug thing. Go to Facebook.com backslash Nerd Thug Radio. Come hang out. Leave a comment. Say hi. Click like. Do all those cool things. Subscribe. Whatever it is that's happening. Get involved with it, because we do it all. On Nerd Thug Radio. Um, Alright, so we've got about 12 minutes, 14 minutes here. Before we get into it, I want you to tell everybody about Cox ATA, Nico. Cox ATA Martial Arts, leader in ATA Martial Arts with three convenient locations. One in the Woodlands, one in Magnolia, and one in Conroe. I did that backwards and it really bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like it. Um, they have, uh, they're wonderful people. They have all different kinds of courses available. If you're three, if you're 93, they have Tai Chi, Taekwondo, uh, all different kinds of martial arts available there. Wonderful, wonderful people. Mention Nerd Thug Radio. Get two free weeks of training. You got the holidays coming up. Oh, you know, gonna get start off the year right. Get get going strong. Two free weeks is a good way to do it. Really is. Really is. I can't argue that. So uh, uh, headed on down to Cox ATA. They teach life skills. They build leaders. They leave a legacy. Yeah, the Cox ATA guys are great. I love them. I love uh, love Spawn and Cat and all them. We, we get to hang out with them a little bit over at Adventure Begins. So it's Our good other people. Sponsor. It all, it's all, we're, it's all Nerd it's Thug is a family, man. It's we're the fam. a family. Okay. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little story now. All right. It is about the- your Mom got scared. The best- Sent to you with your auntie uncle the, out in Bel Air. <laughs> probably the guy best at his job behind the scenes in sports. And he's like a king. He is responsible for so much of what happens in baseball. It's, it, it blows your mind. Is basically the baseball mafia guy? Yes. He is an agent by the name of Scott Boris. Is he a billionaire? He might be a billionaire at this point because all he does is make people money. Bring me my money. Okay, I'm going to read this tweet to you. Keep in mind this tweet is already out of date because it doesn't include one more giant contract. Okay. So this is from Ken Rosenthal. He's a big sports reporter. He has a lot of stuff with Sports Illustrated. Boris offseason scorecard. Cole, Garrett Cole of the yeah. Astros, he signed with the Yankees for $324 million over nine years. You know, casually. Uh, that's a big deal. And we can talk, we'll talk about over the offseason, like how that matters to us as the Astros and all that. But right now, I want to focus on the money right now. Okay. Right. 
Steven Strasburg of the Nationals re-signed seven years, two hundred and forty-five million dollars. Oh, hold on, hold on. Let me let me calculate this out. I want to see how many how many billions of dollars he made this. Oh, I I I can tell you that right now. Oh, um, including the one that's he already added. I, I need to add the new one, oh. but it won't be hard. Um, Fair enough. Mike Mustakas, he got sixty-four million dollars, all in one offseason. That alone is six hundred and thirty-three million dollars. Just those three guys. Then Rendon just signed to uh, just now or last night, two hundred and forty-five million more. So now you're at eight seventy-eight million dollars in one off season. He still has Ryu, Castellanos, and Keuchel. Oh yeah. So he's going to break probably a billion dollars this off. He might. Yeah, he'll break a billion dollars this off season. What? In new money for his players. Absolutely insane. So this is from Barstool Sports. They pointed this out, and I didn't really think about it. Um, this is just kind of a rundown of his career. Okay, Scott Boris, super agent. In 1992, he got Greg Maddox a five-year, $28 million deal. Yeah, I mean, okay. That's pretty good. Right, yeah, that's pretty good. He also, the next year, secured the high school prospect... Alex Rodriguez. Oh, okay. Is that a name you hear later? Oh, yeah. 1997, he got Greg Maddox five years, $57 million, which at the time was the biggest contract in the history of baseball. (laughs) This guy is about to blow baseball up. 1998, he gets a guy named Kevin Brown, seven years and $105 million. Even bigger. At the time, the the biggest biggest contract in baseball. In 2000... He gets Alex Rodriguez, 10 years, $252 million. That is the largest contract in sports history at the time. Wow. In 2001, he gets Barry Bonds, five years, $90 million. In 2005, he gets Carlos Beltran, seven years, $119 million. That's when Carlos Beltran left the Astros, betrayed us, to go to the Mets and pay basically this, to basically earn the same money because of taxes. Um, Got him. Over a two-week span in December, Boris brokered Daisuke. Uh, Dice, I can't remember how to say this guy's name. Daisuke? Uh, Daisuke. Daisuke Matsusake, whatever the guy's name was, uh, to Boston and Barry Zito's record-setting $126 million contract with the Giants. Both of those were records at the time. 2008, Mark Texaria, eight years, $180 million. 2009, Manny Ramirez, two years, $45 million. And Steven Strasburg... Fifteen point one million, which was a record for a draft pick. If you're you keeping, tr- if you're keeping track at this point, he has set six records. Um, twenty ten, Jason Worth got a seven year, one hundred twenty six million dollar contract, which was six million more than he got Matt Holiday from the Cardinals in the same year. Also, Bryce Harper signed with him. You know, <laughs> as you do. In what I think is still one of the worst contracts in all of sports, in 2012, Prince Fielder signed a nine-year, $214 million contract. And I don't even know who this guy is. In 2013, Scott Boris got Elvis Andrus, eight years, $120 million. It's okay. That man is $120 million richer. Bro, he doesn't need me to know his name at all. Um... He also in that in that same winter he got Jacoby Ellsbury 153 million from the Yankees, which was another terrible deal. The Red Sox literally were not going to re-sign Jacoby Ellsbury 
for anything more than, like for any real money at all. And the mm-hmm. Yankees gave him seven years and one hundred fifty three million. They just released him. Remember we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Yeah, where they still owe him some forty million dollars over the next two and a half years. And he's not going to do anything for them. Nope. And uh, Shin Chu Chu got one hundred thirty million, and he was the first non All Star in Major League Baseball to get a one hundred million dollar deal. Another record. And in 2015, Max Scherzer got a seven-year, $210 million deal. And in 2019, Harper, Cole, and Strasburg all got money. And he uh, still has people lined up, too. Yes. Oh, I forgot. Harper wasn't even on there. So he's already over the billion dollars in one calendar year. Wow. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> in one calendar year, he put a billion dollars in new money in player pockets for baseball. That's gross. A billion dollars, right? Because two forty-five is eight seventy. Yeah, eight seventy-eight. Eight seventy-eight, and then did Bryce Harper get more than two twenty-two? Yeah, he did. Yeah, Bryce Harper got two fifty and some change, right? If Bryce Harper got more than two twenty-two, then it's then it's a billion dollars. It's a billion dollars. A billion already before before anything after Rendon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Bryce Harper signed a three hundred and thirty million thirteen dollar contract. So, so over a billion dollars. So a hundred and ten over basically. A hundred and eight million over a billion. So one point one one point one oh eight billion. Billion. Uh I'd say he's pretty good. Think he knows what he's doing? Nah, not at all. And so here's what's interesting about this is this is this is what okay, so what this does to teams is it changes the dynamic. How much time do we have? We have like seven minutes. All right. Before I get into this. We're gonna, I'm going to tell you about Adventure Begins, and then we're going to come back and get into this. All right. All right. So the Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and more right here on 1488. You need to come out and hang out with us tomorrow. It's super important. This is really, really important. From 6 p.m. to close, we're going to be doing the Nerd Thug Takeover. We're going to take the store over. We're going to jump in. We're going to just take it over. And what we're going to do is Bill of the Adventure Begins has been super awesome and agreed to donate proceeds to Let's Bring Them Home. And what that is, that's a charity that flies home soldiers from overseas. It's level four and under. So I know I'm saying that right. I don't know the terminology. I did not serve. Um, what that means is, though, these low-level guys, the guys who really do need the help, the guys who don't have a bunch of extra money, they're not officers. They don't have the ability to pull they, rank and favor. They have time off, but they have no money to do anything with it. Right. So what this does is this, buy, this buys them plane tickets home for the holidays. So these guys get to come home, spend Christmases with their families, well, then while the rest of the year they're protecting our freedoms. So it's totally worth it. It's completely a great cause. They're 501C. They're completely legitimate. This is a, it's an awesome thing to do. We're super proud to be part of it. We're going to be there trying to get as many people in, to spend as much money to donate as much, and just do as much as we possibly can so that we can bring home as many people as possible. So come hang out with us tomorrow night from 6 to close at The Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and More on 1488. Uh, great place, family friendly, well lit. It's awesome. People need to be coming here anyway and having a good time. My pull list is there. We spend Fridays there most nights, most weeks. I play Dungeons and Dragons there on Tuesdays. It's awesome. But this Friday, tomorrow, you need to come hang out with us. Um. Okay, Scott Boris. Just so what this does is he gets these guys this money, but then it changes a couple things. So first of all. From what I read, right there, from 1992 on, Greg Maddox got the biggest contract in the history of baseball, and it was for $50 million. 
and the next biggest, and then the next biggest, and then the next biggest. So by constantly pushing the envelope up, he's making more money for his players. He's putting more money in the hands of the players. He's giving these players the ability to change lives, but also, most importantly, he's shifting the revenue stream towards the players, which gives them more leverage in these contract negotiations, which gives them more leverage in labor negotiations, which gives them more power to have an impact in the league, which then makes them more important to the fans. Right, especially in in the game of baseball where there is so many players and so many teams and so many games, it can it can feel yeah you you when you can you track everything you're like, well I mean there's like two billion baseball stats like right, and so the idea that he could still get these guys this kind of money first of all is impressive, right, and then he can continuously push the envelope too continuous three hundred thirty million dollars this year for Bryce Harper right. Over a billion dollars in contracts. In new money, and he still has three players who are going to get good money. Um, he's probably going to finish pretty close to $1.5 billion in new money this year. Which is just just crazy to think about. It's a and nuts. That's, and, that's just, and that's just a handful of players. It's like eight, eight, eight players. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, but most importantly, what it does is it also alters these franchises and their models. So, like, Jacoby Ellsbury was costing the Yankees a ton of money. It prevented them from making other moves. Mm-hmm. So it then impacts other teams, positively and negatively. So all of a sudden, Jacoby Ellsbury is taking up all this extra money from the Yankees, so they're less likely to sign someone else. So then those other people are now eligible to go to other teams. Right. So if you're a mid-level market team, you can pick up guys that are pretty good because the other guys don't can't afford them. They can't afford to go to them anymore because they've spent so much money. So in a lot of ways, Scott Boris is a hero for you. Even though he's taking good players from these mid-level teams and getting them max money from these other places, he's taking some talent away, but he's also giving your franchise the ability to sign better talent they would have access to because they can't fit on those other teams because they have several hundred million dollar contracts. Correct. The budgets are tied up, the players are tied up, and, and the money is tied up. And so now they yeah. have to they have to let certain guys go that they normally wouldn't. Right. They have to pass on certain opportunities that they normally wouldn't. And so that's why like if you're an Angels fan, a Phillies fan, this is an era for you. Because your team was able to sign big money guys because the Yankees had to let other people go. The Yankees and the Red Sox weren't the only two people spending money anymore. The Yankees, the Dodgers, they always spend money. And now there's opportunities for other franchises to spend money because Scott Boris keeps pushing the envelope and pushing the envelope and pushing the envelope, and these teams get locked into these huge contracts, these huge deals that tie up resources, and then they're not able to, to move on to other things. Right. It also means they have to, they have to pay their players. They yeah. have to pay their guys. Absolutely. So, I, to me, it's what's interesting is there's not there's there may not be someone who has had as much impact in a sport without playing than Scott Boris has on baseball. Oh no, I think I think that's now well beyond a shadow of a doubt now. Because just just saying that number, like you wouldn't even think that'd be possible if you know twenty years ago. When they first when they first made the largest deal in baseball at fifty million, you're saying twenty years from now he'll be doing over a billion dollars in one off season. In one off season on less than ten players. 
Yeah, you wouldn't even think that's possible. You wouldn't even think that that's even... Just to show how that's a good point. far he's come. That's a really good point. That's a good way to look at that. Um, it's just, it's so weird. By the way, he also represented Kyler Murray in baseball. The Oh, the, the, the quarterback, quarterback for the Cardinals. Yeah. The one from Oklahoma. The one that had the option to go to both. Yeah. He was also his agent. Wow, what a legend. So he based, like, the way that he has become such an important part of this process and to the sport of baseball so important. Uh, I'm really impressed with just his ability to almost just spontaneously generate money. You know, like, yeah, where, where did this billion dollars even come from? Bunch of teams wanting good a baseball bunch players. Bunch of teams wanting good baseball players. And what's interesting is is the stat guys will tell you Bryce Harper is not the best player in baseball. They'll tell you he's like a top fifteen, but not like yeah, he's top not like one. he's not like the guy. He's he's and, good, and but he's yet, not the guy. But he yet, got a three, thirteen year three hundred and thirty million dollars. That's called a good agent, my friends. Scott Boris, super agent. So think about like what it would look like, like what if Scott Boris was like grocery bagger, like would he be the greatest grocery bagger in the world? I mean, yeah. Like <laughs> or like, what if he was like, what if he ran like your neighborhood Kinkos? Would it be like the fastest copies ever? Where you're like, like it's the most efficient. Like <laughs> it's just the best version of that thing that it could possibly. Well, no, because I think it has to do a lot with people too. So like everyone, it's like would people love and like this yeah. Kinkos. Yeah, they'd be like, oh, I agree. Like it's forty minutes away, but I'll drive to it every time. I, I got. I mean, I gotta go see that. One. I gotta go to Scott's Kinkos. Right. There's no <laughs> other one that does me right like him, <laughs> even though it's clearly a bad deal. <laughs> like, fifth, like twenty years later, you're gonna regret this decision because you spent four hundred thousand dollars in gas just to get to this Kinkos. You're gonna be there. And you're gonna <laughs> see it to the end. <laughs> That's a good point. Like, there's clear regret on a lot of, like, Prince Fielder is one of the worst deals ever. Right. Like, uh, I feel like half of those guys you don't know about anymore. Yeah, I couldn't <laughs> even tell you who the Elvis dude was. I don't even know. I, I, he has $120 million. million. Yeah, good job, Scott. Good job. Super agent. Uh, we're going to jump out here. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening today. On behalf of little brother Nico and myself, same nerd thug time, same nerd thug channel. And go ahead and drop that check in the mail, Scott. The Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More is open on 1488 at 525 Woodland Square Boulevard. With comics, games, and everything nerd-related, The Adventure Begins is the one-stop nerd shop. On Saturdays, they alternate between having Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon. And coming up, they also have cosplay crafting and trivia nights and BYOB nights. They're currently offering a 10% discount for limited time, which will be valid for as long as you grab your books every month. Cox ATA is the leader in ATA martial arts with two convenient locations, one in Conroe, one in Magnolia. They offer courses for young adults, children, and senior citizens, and everything in between for people who are interested in self-defense, taekwondo, or various other courses. Be sure to check out the Facebook page if you're interested in Cox ATA Taekwondo. Hey, Haywood Jeffries, former Houston Oilers wide receiver on Nerd Thug Radio. <laughs>